The issues that we address cross all affinity groups and races and religions. And so it's an opportunity to work on a number of issues that affect a lot of people in our country. Welcome to IP Talk with Wolf Greenfield. Jeffrey C. is a shareholder in Wolf Greenfield's pharmaceutical practice. As a scientist, inventor, entrepreneur, and counselor, Jeff has experience from all of these perspectives. His law practice includes corporate counseling, formation and execution of intellectual property strategy, and patent prosecution and opinion work in a variety of areas. Jeff previously served as corporate counsel at Amgen. He's also co-inventor on two U.S. patents and co-author of numerous scientific publications and presentations. Jeff is an invited speaker internationally on various IP issues and has lectured at the Harvard Extension School and MIT's Sloan School of Management. Now, in addition to all of the things that he does at Wolf Greenfield, Jeff is also a champion for social justice issues. He currently serves on the board of directors of Asian Americans Advancing Justice, AAJC, which is based in Washington, D.C., where he serves on the executive committee and chairs the policy and programs committee. In the spring of 2019, Advancing Justice, AAJC, asked Asian American leaders to share a note to their younger selves about moments that have defined their lives and lessons learned along the way. We'll talk with Jeff a bit about that fascinating little piece in just a moment. But first, Jeff, welcome. It's good to have you here on IP Talk with Wolf Greenfield. What are your current responsibilities and focus areas at the firm? I'm a shareholder in the pharmaceutical practice group at Wolf Greenfield. My practice revolves around both strategic planning and obtaining patent protection for clients around the globe in a variety of technology areas, uh, including general chemistry, pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, and general materials science. As part of my role at Wolf Greenfield, I also work with a team of other attorneys, patent agents, technical specialists, paralegals, and um, administrators. And we all work together to support our clients and help them achieve their business goals. What topics or issues are most notable these days? Within our field in intellectual property and more particularly patents in the U.S., some topics that are very much top of mind at the moment include what subject matter, in fact, is eligible to be patented in the U.S., of course, the influence of artificial intelligence, and there's been an, some issues around the globe on who exactly is an inventor with the advent of artificial intelligence. But for the moment, our courts and our constitution have deemed that the patent rights belong to a human, and therefore a, a human is the inventor. But we'll, we'll see how that evolves. And finally, the requirements in the U.S. for both enabling and providing a written description. So that is actually describing your invention and showing that, in fact, you have full possession of the invention and what kind of background and data experimental results you need to have is uh, another evolving issue. Jeff, let's go back a few years here. As a young man, you studied at a public research university in Bavaria. What was that experience like? So that was really a tremendous experience for me, really eye-opening, obviously, to study in a foreign country, in a foreign university, and in a foreign language. I completed my coursework in German, was really eye-opening on many fronts. I think what was interesting about my experience there is that the university was actually well-known for technical fields and science in particular. And while I was a chemistry major as an undergraduate, 
I was attending a liberal arts college at the time, and we also had other types of requirements that we needed to fulfill in order to graduate. And I actually studied the topics of Buddhism, cathedral architecture, and early Russian communism (laughs) as the topics of study. As you might imagine, in Germany, that location was very much a great place to study those topics. While your academic years and early career focused on science, you did read a book titled The Court and the Constitution, written by Archibald Cox, who, as many people might remember, was special prosecutor during the uh, Watergate years, during Richard Nixon's administration. How much of an impact did that book have on you? At the time, as you mentioned, I was very focused on science, and I you know, remember very distinctly that I predominantly read science. There were really only two books that weren't science that I read at the time, and one of them was The Court and the Constitution. And to be honest, that didn't have so much of an influence on me going to law school as much as now that I look back, I think it was an indicator that there was a seed somewhere in there about the law and particularly the court and the constitution. I think also at the time I was particularly enamored with the concept of how does one speak truth to power and what protections do the court and the constitution actually provide to our democracy. But it was just, you know, kind of a an interest that was there, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And to be honest, deciding to become a lawyer was really independent of that. My decision to become a lawyer was really geared specifically around intellectual property law and based on my experience as a scientist. But I'll have to say, once I did arrive at law school, that's where the seed really germinated. Law school obviously opened up the whole world of what the court and the Constitution can mean and how it could be interpreted. You have experience both as an in-house corporate counsel and working at a firm like Wolf Greenfield. What are the biggest differences? I have to say my in-house experience was uh, really terrific. I was part of a startup company. Quite frankly, it was a lot of fun. It was challenging and interesting. But then moving back to private practice, to be honest, I thought was pretty smooth. It was motivated in large part by the opportunity in private practice to work with a diversity of clients in a diversity of technologies. And, And you typically don't have that array of diversity available to you as an in-house attorney. And so that was the big driver. And I think also the fact, though, that I had returned to private practice and now having had that in-house experience, it really gave me the perspective of both what the in-house counsel are looking for, what they need, you know, how you could best service them. And I just had a greater appreciation for the position of the folks that are in-house counsel. And I think it helped also shape my thinking and perspective about how I could really truly help them and give them more than just what they were verbally asking for, but really understanding their position, their situation, and looking for ways that I could add additional value to things that I know based on my experience would be appreciated by in-house counsel. On past podcasts, we've talked about Wolf Greenfield's commitment to having firm members active in community issues. And as we note in the introduction to this show here, you're quite active in this respect. Tell us about your work with Advancing Justice, AAJC. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really important part of my life 
And I'm very appreciative of the support that Wolf Greenfield provides, not only me, but all the uh, attorneys and employees in pursuing outside interests such as this. My work with Advancing Justice AAJC, which is a civil rights organization based in Washington, D.C., is as a board member and as a chair of their policy and programs committee and as an executive committee member. And I really was interested in getting involved with AAJC because while we obviously focus on the Asian American perspective, the issues that we address cross all affinity groups and races and religions. And so it's an opportunity to work on a number of issues that affect a lot of people in our country. As a, an example, those issues include census, voting rights, impact litigation, and now, quite frankly, technology and information and disinformation. And particularly in the past few years, we all know there have been increased issues and incidents with anti-Asian bias and anti-Asian hate. And we are both trying to help address that and find ways to both mediate and support the Asian American community and all communities that are facing prejudice and bias. We mentioned in the introduction, you wrote a letter to your younger self a few years back. At the outset of that piece, you note that until desegregation arrived in your hometown of Kalamazoo, Michigan, back when you were in fifth grade, you didn't see yourself as an Asian American as much as an American, in your words. You weren't thinking about assimilation, you were just being you. Now, we've made a lot of progress, obviously, in the years since then. Are you at all concerned about the categorization that seems to go on these days when it comes to individuals and groups? It's an interesting question. I don't know so much that I would say I'm, I'm saddened as much as I think we just need to be reflective on this phenomenon, because I do think that there are definitely forces at work in society, which, as you say, are trying to focus on lumping people, again, whether children, adults, into certain categories, certain groups. And I think part of the issue there is when you start categorizing in these groups, you tend to lose the nuances of who we are. Because it's not to say that, obviously, we all have our affinity for people like us. And that's a good thing, because it's always nice to share feelings and the community that you feel you're part of. But I think it's also important that the lines of communication be open. And I think that's the critical piece that is starting to fray a bit. And I think is the important piece to understand this and overcome this lumping together. So for example, in the lumping together that pertains to myself as an Asian American, there are many that want to say, okay, there's just Asian Americans, and there's a group, and Asian Americans should be lumped in there. But to my comment about nuance, that overlooks the fact that there are so many nuances to the just Asian American community. And it could be any community too, whether Black, Hispanic. You know, there's lots of different types of Asian Americans, whether it be Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Thai, etc. And we're not a monolith. There are differences and we can have different perspectives. But the thing we need to embrace is that we want to appreciate those different perspectives and bring them all to bear and find where we have commonality and when we, where we can work together. 
And so in order for that to happen, in my opinion, it's important that we break down the broad categories, appreciate the nuances, and then most importantly, communicate and respect each other's opinions and have an open dialogue. Maybe it's the scientists in me and the training that I've had, but I always believe that the the more experiments you run and the more perspectives you see, odds are higher, you're going to come to both either the correct conclusion or the best conclusion and result. What are some of the social justice issues that you're working on today? One issue that's kind of near and dear to my heart and one that I've been doing for quite a number of years now has been about voting rights. I'm very passionate that everyone should have a voice and that there be representation. And it's important that everybody have the opportunity to vote and have their say. And so in that front, pretty much every election cycle over the past couple of decades, I have been volunteering with various organizations that are intent on trying to help preserve the right of everyone to vote. We're, you know, these organizations are nonpartisan. We're not trying to influence people to vote one way or another as much as encourage them to vote and make sure that everybody has a fair opportunity to vote. Beyond that, I'm also involved in some community organizations in the Boston area. One is called the Asian Community Development Corporation, which is a nonprofit devoted to community building and affordable housing in the Boston area, particularly the Boston Chinatown area, and also in some suburbs of Boston like Quincy and Malden, which also have significant populations of Asian Americans. And so we're working to make sure that the Asian American community is supported, and also to support housing for the community and the workers to both enjoy and actually be able to live in the area and work in the area and generally support them from both a community perspective and also uh, help encourage uh, thriving business and, and economic areas within Boston. And then finally, I'm also currently involved in an organization called the Asian Community Fund which is housed within the Boston Foundation. It's a new fund that was recently created, and it is built for advocacy programs and for business empowerment and for developing new leadership in the Boston community. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this new fund and the work that we're doing there. Jeff, have you ever encountered conflicts between your legal work and your activities on the social justice side of things? The one thing I can say is because my work on the social justice issue and my actual legal work, day-to-day -day work, are quite disparate, there really hasn't been any issues or conflicts that have come up between the two. I'm very comfortable and enjoy the separation, actually, because quite frankly, it makes my life more interesting. So important to the Wolf Greenfield culture for active members to be able to pursue both personal and professional interests, isn't it? Absolutely. At Wolf Greenfield, we, we want to be a good community partner and we want to support everyone associated with the firm in, in doing that. And it's win-win, right? It's better for the community, better for Wolf Greenfield, and, and better for us as individuals. Our thanks to Jeff C. for joining us on this episode of IP Talk with Wolf Greenfield. We hope you'll subscribe to our series of conversations related to IP matters on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on legal matters related to IP, we invite you to visit our website at www.wolfgreenfield.com. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of IP Talk with Wolf Greenfield.